let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer once more here. <clears throat> Lord, we just are are blessed to be able to be together and worshiping together in the name of Jesus. Thank you for his incredible sacrifice on the cross and his incredible resurrection and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is also residing in every believer. Lord, we are thankful. Thankful that you didn't leave us here alone. You've given us your comforter, the Holy Spirit, to help us through the journey that you have each and every one of us on. And though um, one of the verses that Charlie had up there had about running the race set before us in our, our race, each race is different, but it's all, every believer's race is headed towards the same end uh, to spend eternity with you, God. We pray that you would just give us strength for the journey. We want to pray for those right now whose hands and feet might be failing, might be struggling to run the race that you've set before them, God. We pray that you would just sustain them, help them to persevere, help them to be victorious over any temptation they might have. And um, for those who are battling disease, God, we just pray for your supernatural power and peace to be upon them, God. And uh, Lord, we just pray also that you would fill us up right now, quicken our hearts to hear whatever it is you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know if you, when you guys drove down the road, I don't know which way you came. Did you see the signs out here right next door? Party, party, party. I thought, that's what they say. And I thought, did the church have a party? And I didn't know it. You know, uh, yeah, I guess so. You leave town and this is what happens, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Um, the signs out there, somebody had a party. That's awesome. Um, listen, we're... Uh, on a different topic today, uh, moving on from prayer, but not moving on from prayer, if you know what I mean. We're going to be praying uh, without ceasing, as the Lord tells us to. Um, but I'm going to hit on a particular psalm today, Psalm 121. And uh, this psalm is uh, one of 15 psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And these psalms, these are like songs that would be sung on the journey to Jerusalem. Because back in those times, right, uh, God had chosen for um, his uh, presence to dwell in the temple of God. And um, even though we know, and he even tells us in his word that, you know, his, it can't really contain his entire being, right, in that sense. But his presence was chosen to dwell there uh, in the temple. and so. Uh, uh, several times a year, uh, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Booths, uh, God's people would journey to Jerusalem, seeking God to worship Him there, and uh, these songs would be sung along the way. And um, in fact, uh, this song uh, that we're looking at here really definitely has a journey-like theme to it. Um, and so I, I just think it's very relevant. 
I mean, we may not go, I mean, we, we come to here, to this place, but we know that we can worship God anywhere, right? We don't have to go to Jerusalem or even to this particular house. We come together here to worship God together, right? Um, but uh, we are, like I prayed just a moment ago, we are all, as believers, on a journey. We're on a spiritual pilgrimage, if you will, uh, to the ultimate promised land, to be with the Lord forever. And, uh, but God's got stuff for us to do while we're here on this earth, right? And so, um, and uh, as we go along, uh, you may find yourself a weary traveler at times, right? As you're going along your journey, you're running your own particular race. Um, depending on what you're facing, you can be running out of steam. You might be uh, running out of strength. You might uh, have all kinds of feelings that are running through your heart and mind because of the part of the race that you're in, uh, getting as we, as we are making our way. Uh, as Pilgrim's Progress says, to the celestial city, to heaven. So uh, I want to take a look at this passage here, Psalm 121. There's eight verses, and if you're able to stand, why don't you stand with me and let's read them aloud together here. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. Let's read together. I lift my, my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's have a seat. Now, I know we just read all that, but uh, I'd never noticed this before. Someone else brought it to my attention, but I thought it's interesting to note that the first two verses are in the first person. It says, you know, I lift up my eyes to the to the hills, and from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then there's kind of a switch. It's almost like we're getting the advice of some mature follower of Jesus or follower of God. And then it says, you know, he will not let your foot be moved, right? He who keeps you will not slumber. So you see the change. And some have thought, well, you know, of course, Psalms is like, you know, poetry and put to song and so on, is that this could very well be an intention shift in that, uh, you know, these are questions we have, you know, as we're on the journey uh, that God has us on, you know, we look to the hills sometimes, uh, now they would have been looking to the hills of Jerusalem, but as we look at the hills, sometimes, you know, uh, they can be daunting, they can be uh, intimidating. It can be a very dangerous journey, and actually as you were going from wherever you were to Jerusalem, as you would travel up, um, you, you know, traveling through these passes, and certainly there were thieves and robbers who knew of the festivals, right, and knew this is a good time to kind of be hanging out by the road, right? Think about the story of the Good Samaritan, right? That's kind of what happened there. Um, and so, so just think about what we're hearing is we're hearing like the sage 
words of wisdom of some follower of God, and he's saying, listen, you need to know as you're going along your journey, and specifically to their journey to Jerusalem, the Lord's your keeper. It's like he is your, he's got his providential care just all over you, all along the way, to and from. Even the last verse there, verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Like he's, he's got your going and your coming covered. He is keeping you. He's um, One person I heard talk about this passage said God is uh, watch keeping. He's keeping watch. He's, he's, and, and of course, doesn't it blow your mind that he could be having his watchful eye on billions of people? Doesn't that, I mean, just, I mean we kind of know that theologically. That God knows all and He's everywhere at all times, you know. He but the fact that He would know us so intimately that He would know the hairs of our head, right? Some of us it doesn't take much counting, but He still nonetheless knows the number, right? That you know, I think the idea is there. He knows us intimately, right? And that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we know is that he is knows everything that's happening in your life. He knows every temptation, every struggle, every doubt, every question. Right? And he sets his affection on us. And, um, and we see this care that he has for us as we go along. So the Lord is your keeper is what I've kind of titled this. And, and I just want to, um, you know, this psalm breaks down nicely in these little couplets. Every two verses kind of say something to us, okay? And the first couplet here is verses 1 and 2 really communicate to us that, you know, God is my strength. I'm, I'm kind of putting it in the context of a New Testament believer for us. God is my strength and help as I follow Christ. He's my strength and my help as I follow Jesus. Now, uh, as we think about that, is that, uh, you know, the only way that we can fulfill God's will for our life is by His grace and by His strength, right? What He has called us to do as followers of Jesus, as we think about it in this way, as we're on this journey, this spiritual pilgrimage, if you will, uh, for us, is that uh, we need God's strength to carry it out. Uh, this is not something that we can just kind of like buckle down and try harder and then do it the way God wants us to do it. And we've said many times from this pulpit, we've said that there is, um, there's two sides to the Christian life, and they both work somehow in tandem. There's effort, and then there's by the grace of God, and His strength, and both are required uh, but here we're focusing in on the fact that we need God's strength, right, along the journey. Um, as he says, you know, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And he's like, as I look at these mountains, as I'm traveling up to Jerusalem, the God that created those incredible mountains, uh, he is the God who's helping me, right? The one who's created everything, the one who... Uh, made everything out of nothing, right? That God is the God 
who helps me. I mean, wouldn't you just love to, I mean, think, just think about this. You have the ultimate helper, right? The one who is uh, who, who's, who's stronger and more knowledgeable, more powerful, more wise than any other person. Uh, there's not a greater counselor, there's not a greater helper than our God. And so we need to think about, as we're making our journey along the way, is that we would be looking to Him, right? As it says, my help comes from the Lord. So we kind of need to make sure, uh, first of all, you know, that He is your Lord. As He says there, He says, my help comes from the Lord, right? Um, who made the heaven and the earth. And so I want to know if he's your Lord. I want to know, I mean, I mean, more importantly, uh, you need to know, is he your Lord, right? Is, 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 have you put your faith in Christ, as Skip was talking about? Have you embraced the truth of the gospel? Uh, have you put your faith lock, stock, and barrel in what God says about our sin and our one and only Savior, Jesus, and that if we put our faith in him, Right? We will receive forgiveness, we'll receive His Holy Spirit, and we'll re- receive an incredible inheritance, including heaven itself. Right? And so, um, because this is written to His people, and you need to be one of His people if you want to receive the blessing uh, that He's talking about in these verses. So, I, I really hope that you have put your faith in Christ, and that you would trust Him and realize He is the help that you need. So your spiritual help, your physical help, your emotional help, it's going to come from the Lord. And uh, some past, some scriptures here, uh, let me go past these two verses that we just reminded ourselves of, but if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 8 through 10, where Paul makes an appeal to God, He's praying to God to take away this thorn in the flesh, whatever it is, whether it be some physical ailment, as some think, or um, or it could be something else. But he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it, it should leave me. And he says in verse 9, but he said to me, so this was God's answer. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I think this is this is just a word for us, right? Anything that we're maybe you've been praying that some situation would change. Uh, maybe you've been praying for a physical healing and it has not come. I don't know what it is that you're 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 into right now. That is where you're just like asking God to take care of something and. It's not being resolved the way you wish it would, the way you're asking. And maybe it's possible that your answer is what Paul's answer was from God. It's like, well, you know, when you're in this state of weakness right now, that's when I can really work my power in your life. And that's what he's saying. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's response to that was, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His response was like, okay, God, if that's the way it works, then I'm just going to like 
recognize all of my weakness and say, pour on the power, right? He's, Give me your power, God. Help me to, whether it's power to walk through the fire of trials and testing, or whether it's, you know, power to just rise above, whatever it might be. But uh, as we're going along our journey in following Jesus in this world, we need to remind ourselves of these truths that when we are weak, that's when he can really pour on his strength and power. And um, I think that's just a reminder to always keep our eyes up, right? Always keep our eyes on the Lord, because as we're doing so, we're, we're usually expressing our constant need, our constant um, dependence upon Him is what needs to be happening. Because when we, when we acknowledge our dependence, we're kind of saying that we are, in effect, weak, right? That we can't do it on our own. We can't live this walk that He has us on in the Christian faith, on our own. Verse 10, it says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am confident with weaknesses, insults, hardships, or I'm content, sorry, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I tell you, I mean, just to be honest, and I think if you would probably agree, is that um, it's hard to be content with weaknesses. Or if people are insulting you for your faith, or you're going through hardships, right? It's, that's not an easy place to be content. But what he's saying is, if I have the long view that God wants to work his power through my meekness, then bring it on. Uh, I will be content because I know God will work his power through it. Now, uh, another passage here, speaking of uh, something similar, uh, it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, in verses 4 through 6, it says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, a little context here, right? Paul's kind of defending his apostleship. Like, I have the right to be leading this movement. Um, you know, the Lord Himself um, revealed Himself to me and saved me and, and had, has given me this mission. And so he's kind of giving an answer to people who were objecting to him or questioning that he should even be in this position. And so he says, not that we are sufficient in and of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, think about your own circumstances that might be challenging you right now. And as a believer who has the Holy Spirit, the Lord is saying to us in these scriptures, My I am sufficient for you. I, what I have for you in the Holy Spirit, my word, it's, it's totally adequate for your situation. So it's not like I've, like the Lord's left us here, right, without the necessary spiritual resources, right? It goes on to say in verse 6, here it says, uh, He who made us, he who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That verse just kind of pointing out the context that they were being questioning whether they ought to be ministers of this new covenant or not. So, 
Um, so let's just remind ourselves before we move on what Psalm 46 verse 1 says, that God is a very present help in trouble, right? And that's what we need to remind ourselves. This, this, uh, these opening verses in Psalm 121 are doing just that. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It comes from the Lord. And as Psalm 46 1 says, he is a very present help in trouble. Um, I don't have this verse up here, but many of you probably know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Anything with his strength. Now, the next couplet of verses really focuses in on that God is always there to support us. God is always there to support us. Now, let's take a look at the verses there again, verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Now remember, you know, put this in the context. They are traveling to Jerusalem, up through the mountains. Lots of slippery, sharp rocks, right? Just imagine. We didn't have we don't have like 270 carved out there, you know, or 315, smooth road going snaking through the mountains up to Jerusalem, right? And so it's a rough way. And uh, the psalmist saying, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I, I just think he's just reminding us that, you know, it's, it's not just this, um, you know, kind of like checking the baby monitor every now and then, right? Checking in to see if they okay, you know, Skip doing all right, you know, he's like, you know, or, uh, or God's not falling asleep with his watchful eye, right? He's constantly, always has his eye on you. That blows my mind. That says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. I, I think of the, the account in the Gospels when Jesus was, the storm came up and he's asleep in the boat, right? Um, now, it, it's just fascinating, though, that he, you know, Jesus was fully aware of what was going on, even in his sleep, right? But they just were having trouble. Well, first of all, they, I don't think they really dialed into who he was quite yet. But the fact that he could still the storm, and he was right there with them, right? Very present help there. And they thought they were going to die. But, you know, he, yet he was asleep, yet not asleep. He's like, I know what's going on, you know? I'm fully aware. And so God has not fallen asleep in your situation, right? Sometimes we, we may not sense his nearness, but he's there, okay? We may not sense his nearness, but he's there. Let's be reminded of some other, another psalm here, Psalm 37, verses, um, maybe cut off, I cut off the verses there. Psalm uh, 37, verses 23 and 24, it says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. And so you, you kind of just get this imagery of a father and a child walking along, or a parent and a child walking along, and uh, even though it might be slippery and dangerous, uh, you know, your parent has you. And you, they are secure. They've got your hand. They're walking along, right? It says, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. In other words, 
Their little feet might slip, but dad's got you. And I think this is a word for us just to remind us that he's keeping us. We may even slip and fall in our, in our following Jesus. We may stumble and fall uh, and, and get off the, the path, but the Lord's not going to let you be lost. Um, once, you know, we, you know, we believe here and the Scripture teaches uh, assurance of salvation, that when you put your faith in Christ, you know, and you're truly His, nothing can undo that, right? And um, I think back here to Jude, verse 1, says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in, the, in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Kept. Isn't that an interesting thing to say about belief? Kept for Jesus Christ. Uh, an alternate translation could be kept by Jesus Christ. Could be a, a potential way to think of this. But we are kept. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, because, again, we stumble and fall. We get things wrong. We fall into sin. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we won't be lost. If we're His, we'll never be lost. We might get off the path, we might stumble, we might fall, but we're not going to be hurled headlong, okay? And this reminds us of, um, in John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30, where Jesus is saying, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Isn't that great? We are kept. We're kept. God is always there to support us. He's not going to let us go off the deep end, right, in terms of spiritually. Uh, he is supporting us Always, always, always. Though we may stray, He will bring us back if we're His. Now, the next couple of verses, verses 5 and 6, remind us that God is my keeper in the midst of the trials. God is my keeper in the midst of the trials. So the last one was all about kind of like He's always there and we're kept. Right? Here, God is my keeper in the midst of trials. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Now, never been to the Middle East? I just know it's hot there. Right? The sun is shining a lot. And, um, I mean, you know, when you read these verses... Uh, Right, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Um, you know, just this idea that you know you're going to be exposed to the sun and the heat, and shade is a very welcome thing, right? When you're in this kind of environment, and uh, as we think about this, um, it says the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Um, Night can be scary, 
and so can the dead heat of the sun. This can be if you don't have shade, if you don't have water, right? Dangerous situations. And, and so I like to liken those as to our trials as we're on our journey, the heat, right? The heat, the fiery trials, the dark night of the soul possibly, where you're just, you've got some questions and very difficult, gut-wrenching things going on in your life, and you've just got big questions, which don't necessarily always have immediate answers, right? But the Lord is your keeper, it says, your shade on your right hand, right? And that shade provides comfort in the midst of this oppressive heat. And so God, in the midst of our incredible trials that we do go through, He's like that shade, and He's going to protect you and be your shield Though the sun is still burning, right? He doesn't promise to remove the trial. He just promises to be your covering, your shade. Do you get it? This is what he's saying, right? So, I mean, because many a person, probably as a believer, uh, are, are thinking that, well, you know, God's just going to not let a bad thing ever happen to me. That's just not true. And if you think that, then you will be not only disappointed, but maybe shipwrecked, so to speak, in your faith. But he's telling us that the Lord's the shade on your right hand, right? He, he's, you're going to, he's going to be there while the trial is going on, and he's going to be your keeper. Now, the last couplet here, let's take a look. Verses 7 and 8. God is my Savior and is greater than my adversary. God is my Savior, and is greater than my adversary. Let's look at those last two verses. It says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. I mean, you see this word keep all over the place, right? Um, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And I just think that it just reminds us that as we're on the journey of following Jesus, as we're headed to the heavenly Jerusalem, there are evils all about. Okay, There are evils all about. And um, Satan, we know, is our adversary. Right? We, we, as the adversary of every believer, does not want us to keep going. He wants us to kind of ditch off to the side, and give up the journey. Now, let's take a look here in Ephesians 6.16. It says, in all circumstances, Paul tells us, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. All the flaming darts of the evil one. You need to have this imagery in your mind as a believer. You've got Satan has a missile you know, trained on you at any given time, and he has these fiery missiles or fiery darts, and he is throwing them your way. Right? And these, these could be, you know, darts of doubt. Right? They could be darts of doubt. They could be darts of discouragement. 
I mean, anything. Just think about what you might be tempted in or what might be um, causing your faith to weaken at this time. And you need to consider that that's a fiery dart. That's something that's coming from Satan wanting to render you ineffective. But what we do is we have the encouragement of God's Word, right, which says the Lord will keep you from all evil. He's, he's given you the protection uh, to fight these battles, right? We, if you read all of Ephesians 6, you see the armor of God. He's given you the equipment to fight and take on our enemy and our foe. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 to 4, it might be good to remind ourselves, lest we get too obsessed with Satan and think he's all that. By this you know the Spirit of God, it says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world today. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need to hang our hat on that promise. Okay, He who is in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world, Satan and his demons. Right, And so they are our enemies. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Right? It's not people. Now, the enemy might use people, right? But I'm just saying it's really what's behind that are the principalities and the powers, as Paul describes to us in Ephesians chapter 6. But we need to have this assurance, like the psalmist is trying to say, or is saying there, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And we get this, this reminder that for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right? We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. I think you, know, you respect your enemy, but you don't have to be afraid of your enemy spiritually here. Okay? We need to be aware of his tactics. Right? And when you think of a battle, that's what you want to do. You want to study your enemy and know his tactics. And certainly be one of the biggest tactics that Satan uses are lies, right? Lies, lies about God, lies about who we are in Christ, and to get us to believe lies about our identity and who we are in Jesus and how God made us to be. Lies, 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 right? I mean, really. And many times we fall into that trap of just those, and we hear those lies so much louder than the truth of God. So we have to make sure that we're well-armed, that we're well-armed, and we, with those promises of God that combat those lies, it's like that shield of faith. You're pulling up the shield of faith, and you're also donning, right, the sword of the Spirit, the, the Word of God. At the same time, you're trusting in what He says. And so, uh, this morning, right, just let's just remind ourselves that we all are running a race. We're on a journey following Jesus, right? If you put your faith in Jesus and you're a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have 
He is your teacher and you are following him. He is your rabbi. Right? That's, that's what it was, right? Right back in, the, in those days, you had a teacher and you followed him. And you took on his teaching. And as we follow Jesus here, right, we have to be reminded of everything the psalmist tells us. Where does my help come from? I'm going to need help. All along the way, my help comes from God. So I've got to be ready, ready to turn to him, right? And then secondly, what is it? That he's always there to support me, right? He will not let my foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He's, it may not seem like he's there, but he's there. And then lastly, or not lastly, but next to last, right? He is the keeper in the midst of those trials. He is the shade on your right hand. And that he helps us overcome the enemy. He's given us everything we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... For many of this, of us uh, listening to this today, it might just be, we might have just got a review. We reviewed just maybe what we know, but I'm confident, like Paul was, that we need to be constantly reminded of the truth. We need to be reminded that you are our helper, that you are, like you said in Psalm 46.1, a very present help in times of trouble. And in the imagery in that psalm, it's, it's like though even the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, which would be a very scary thing to experience, that you are there. You're with us in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the journey. And many of us who are listening to this and are here present today have had turns in the road we never expected. But yet we know you're good, and we know you're our helper. God, let us never forget what this psalm tells us. In Jesus' name, amen.